I think I'm very conscious about this whole thing is me. This whole thing, I can hate, I can blame and whatever, but at the end of the day, until I go, but I did me and this happened, I can't look externally. And maybe it's not even figuring out what it means, but just learning to recognize it. Maybe I am creating it and I haven't recognized it because I'm just, you know, you knee deep in the work and you, you don't always get, you know, it's hard to see the painting when you're in it. Welcome to episode three of Are We Our Work? I'm Tiffany Ibrahim. Are We Our Work is a platform for peer exchange that gathers and shares people's career experiences across different professional networks in South Africa. In this episode, Loiso Madinga reflects on public success and personal doubt about his authenticity in comedy. Loiso is a stand-up comedian, actor, and the international correspondent for The Daily Show with Trevor Noah. Let's just start with you telling me where you feel like you are. <laughs> I love how you think that's the easy question. Things are going great on paper. Because they're going great on the, the box tick part of life. You know what I mean? Like you, you have the goals and the beacons of progress or success where you go, okay, cool, achieve that, achieve that. Um, and I guess through just personally, like the, on, the, on the biggest scale, I don't know if it's biggest scale, but like it's to reach this point and then realize that this is another, I won't say fork in the road or anything like that, but I'm going to have to dig deeper and be clearer about what I want and know that things are going to matter a little bit more now in terms of the decisions I make with my career. Um, I think it was um, after I shot the Netflix special, I was actually like having anxiety attacks uh, very soon after that, almost immediately after that. I think a big reason was to get to a point and you don't know if you're that person yet. Is this a normal feeling? From the outside, people around you believe and feel that you're in a certain place mm-hmm. with your career and then on the inside to yourself you feel a disjuncture with what the external perception is I have to look back and go all of this is already insane like I remember when Netflix came out for me it was like oh one day I'll be on Netflix in what in my head was like what eight ten years time for it to happen within two years is it's stupid Right, I have to keep reminding myself of what those things mean because nothing, nothing for me has happened on my time. I always feel like I'm catching up to my career. I'm always having to, I always get the thing and then I have to reach up to it. I feel like creatively I have reached a point where I, it's almost like I understand the mechanics of the thing, but I haven't broken into it as myself so I haven't become the, I haven't found my voice yet, which for me is like the, that's the fertile ground. That's the thing you really, that makes you stand out. And I think that's the thing that makes it not easier, but it helps you filter your own career once you actually know your own self and your own voice. Even if it's just who you are in that moment, 
and not necessarily who you'll be forever. Are you comparing yourself to anyone in particular in these moments? Are you like, oh, I'm not at this point like that person was at that point in their career? Mm, no. I think I've, I've, I've come to appreciate... What I love about stand-up is that it's a lifelong pursuit. It's not like... It's not one of those things where if you don't crack it when you're young, you don't, you don't have a chance at it. It's not, it's not music. When you stand up, you always get what you deserve because you can't hype it. The, 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 the thing itself is, is it's honest. When people laugh, it's a very honest um, reaction. So you only get what you are ready for. So what are you what measuring you yourself want. against? I'm measuring myself against a level of what I've seen in the grades, right? And these are people. These are peers. These are people. These are, I'm talking the Seinfelds, the Murphys, the, you know, the Priors. The icons. The icons, right? This is the supreme confidence. I watch their interviews, I watch their stand-up and stuff, and it's like, they're willing to be wrong, but they said what they honestly meant in that moment. And those comics have a, this is how I feel. If I'm wrong, tell me I'm wrong, and I can adjust, but I'll adjust as me. And I think I, I, totally know when I'm performing. I know when I'm in an interview and I'm like, well, you know, say something funny, say something funny. Is that how that conversation would have gone with a friend? I just did a show a few days ago. Uh, it was called Keeping Up With The Closers. I grew up in the East UK, but mostly in my, my younger years, the junior school was in Durban, in a very white area, going to a white school. My closet wasn't the best. I, Pretty much only spoke his Tosa properly from the age of like 11 when we went back home. So it's not the best, and it's a very particular language. The tone has to be right. It's, it's unacceptable to speak it anything less than perfectly. And so I didn't get up there and confidently go, this is what I want to do. In a room called Keeping Up the Tosas, in a crowd that was 98% Tosa people. And I felt it, I think they felt it in my performance. So I go, but then, this is just who I am. Why didn't I just get up there and, in that context, just be me and have that fail and get five people who liked it rather than be mediocre enough for a thousand people? It sounds like you're describing a tension between a quick win mm-hmm. and a long-term gain. Yes. Um, and it sounds like you're also gunning for an authenticity. That's the word. Why do you care for that? Why, why aren't you just gunning for the thousand followers? If, if that's the recipe to being known and being put out into the world, why is that not good enough for you? Because fame for me is a currency. It's not the, it's not the goal. So for me to do any less than, than that, I think would be as good as a failure. That's why I left advertising. It wasn't something I saw myself authentically doing. It was something I just happened to be good at because I was just genuinely creative. But I wasn't, I wasn't the guy. I just wasn't the guy. I want to know what it felt like to know that you're over this thing. Mm-hmm. You're done with this thing. Mm-hmm. This thing is not for you. But you don't know what is for you. You don't know where you should be going. I knew I didn't want to be in advertising my day one of my internship. 
And so it was that conversation whispering in the back of my head for five years, right? So by the time I decided to leave, leaving was leaving. And so I was like, well, that's just life. You just, it's your narrative. It's mm-hmm. your, it's, yeah, if you make a choice, it might be tough, but whatever. But it's like, yeah, it's all going to be tough. So I might as well choose a tough that I'm willing to suffer for because for the past six years, I've suffered for a tough that was not worth it. How would your parents describe what you do? I don't think they do. <laughs> I, don't, I don't actually know how they would describe it to friends because I don't think they understand. They didn't even understand advertising. Mm-hmm. No matter how much detail or process I tried to explain what we do, didn't get it. And what do you, why do you think it seems like such a different world? It's no, not because they're stupid. It's beyond their world. Mm-hmm. It, was try, it was like trying to, trying to imagine being the first astronaut, trying to explain that to my parents. <laughs> it's like, why are you going to space? There's enough place here. You know, it was so... What does that feel like to have your parents not really understand what you do? I don't have any need for them to understand what I do. What do you think? Because it's a personal thing. Huh. Comedy is a very personal journey for me. Hmm. Like it's like even now in the point that I'm in, it's no, it's no external. I'm not looking for anything external. Everything that I'm searching for and I know I'm lacking or I know I need um, is very internal. And are you coming closer to those things that you? want and need it feels like I'm stuck right now it just feels like I'm stuck mm-hmm. and I'm not rushing anywhere but I always feel comforted by even the tiniest of progress or knowing what the process should be just to know that for me is very comforting to go oh what you need to do is do this on stage to get the next skill it'll take you 10 years I'll go oh okay cool that's fine. I can take 10 years to learn that. But being in this position and not knowing how to describe it or what I need to get out of it or move from it is beyond frustrating. And that's because comedy isn't a very established path or trajectory or because it could go anywhere? Because yeah. there's no structure? Yes. Because it is... Com- Everything that's happened to me comedically is happening to me as a as personal growth. So it, it, like it's it's very much connected. It is the same thing for me. It's not this job that I do on the side. It's a reflection of where I am in my life in many many ways. Like I've learned my biggest lessons by going, why is this happening in comedy? Oh well, because you're. You know, this insecurity, you still drag and this insecurity onto stage. So you're not going to grow until you grow past that insecurity. And when I grow past it, the world opens up, the comedy gets better. So, sure, you can want the, you know, to sell out the tickets and to whatever, whatever. But to get there, it's going to be a, a, a battling and a crafting and a bending and a molding of your, your actual self. So, so that's the that's the daunting part is do do I have the actual personal capacity to grow into the comic I want to be? It's not even a matter of like is it a time thing? Is it a 
do I get the opportunity? You know, will I be seen? And it's like, will I? Do I know how to grow? It feels like you play with scale quite a lot and spheres. Mm-hmm. So you have rural beginnings. You move into an urban landscape. You have a local presence. You also have a global presence. And despite moving from one to the other, you're always occupying all of it. You're never completely global, completely local, mm. completely rural, mm. completely urban. What does it feel like to to carry all of these parts of yourself with you along your journey? I I, I hope what I've put out formally is as honest as I was able to be in that moment because that because then I then I can say hopefully it all comes in that moment hopefully when you see my South African special you get a sense of all of me and you watch my Netflix special then you get a sense of all of me even in front of an international crowd it's a very um, top of mind for me to be thinking about like oh who am I globally who am I for me it's more like what's the best I can do and it just comes out in whichever way it is uh, in that moment which I guess in a way is like a a level of authenticity but I guess I also know I guess I also know what wasn't authentic in those moments and what do you feel when you spot whatever you believe was not authentic in those moments (sighs) I'm not one for sentiment, so I'm always... If I see that, I'm thinking about the future already. So here's one of the leaps I made in, in, in stand-up was... I realised a lot of my humour comes from being a, one of the only black kids a lot of the time in the class, and it was a way of self-defence, right? And I've, I realised I don't feel the need to be funny around my black friends. Whereas around white people, especially strangers, I'll, I I picked it up one day in a conversation, a passing conversation with a stranger. I'm like, why did I turn that into humor? Like, what? what? And then I was like, oh, shit, I still use that. And then I was like, oh, even in my comedy, I'm always trying to make people, white people feel more comfortable, make black people go, but at the same time go like, black people, I'm still one of you, but I just need to make these white people feel more comfortable so we can all just be comfortable in the space. If that's a point of growth, I need to grow past that so I can work from, so I can pull my creativity from something wider than fear. I think, I don't think there's a point. I don't think success is a point, you know, where you reach and you're like, whew, made it, done. I think it's, success is being able to play in a certain sphere. And even within that sphere, the same cycles happen of, of learning and unlearning and growth and whatever, but you're doing it at a certain higher level. And hopefully I will recognize that when I get to that higher level. So I think that's the trick is to really let go. Can we talk about the relationship from your perspective, the relationship between humor and discomfort? It's a a gap between the pain of the idea and the laugh of the idea. So how do you perceive the laughter in response to some of your very tension-filled jokes? What is laughter to you? Laughter is agreement. And there's different types of agreement. Sometimes people just go, I agree that you've put that 
idea together well. They may not agree with the idea itself, but it's an ability to make other people who totally disagree with you agree that the way you've put it is funny. And sometimes it's a laughter where the agreement is, I totally believe in what you're saying. But then there's also laughters where, and comics will tell you about, where you do a joke and that joke has always felt good. It's got enough tension and it, it works and stuff and you do it in one place and you get the wrong laugh. Where you're like, oh man, you just, you just made that joke dirty. I might just stop doing that joke because it can be used as poison. So yeah, so we're always, I think a, a really good comic doesn't just look for laughter. They know the kind of laugh they're looking for and they're very different laughs out there. Do you consider your work to be political? Uh, yeah. I think it's political from my own life which has had political... Like we live in South Africa. You can't leave your house without everything being about race. So that's why most comics talk about race in South Africa. I don't know why people get angry about that because I'm just like, are you living in the same country as us? Like, it's like, it's like living in London right now and not having a joke about Brexit or at least an opinion or at least a, you know, even if it's just a launch pad for a bigger idea, like your context is Brexit, you know, our context is race here from where we live to what we eat and what we watch and what we listen to. And, and where do you see your role in distinguishing between replicating a certain way of thinking mm-hmm. and breaking out of a conditioned way of thinking? <sighs> role is a strong word. Um, I'm, not, I'm not sure. I'm here to be funny, first and foremost. Then then my agenda can come through. All right. Um, they tend to, by the end, by the time you have a show, they're both there together. But when I'm sitting down writing, I'm not, uh, I'm not writing, sitting there going, all right, this is what I experienced yesterday. Let me write a joke about it. I sit there and I'm like, here's a story I've had. I think it could be funny. And I write it and then certain themes will come through. Certain ideas will come through. And maybe even ideas where I want to change people's thing but sometimes it's like you just want to show people the thing sometimes it's just enough to go have you guys noticed this thing you think it's normal but just look at it as a, on its own for a second anyone can see it alright cool I'll move on and whatever thoughts you have on that but at least please just look at it for a second because you pass it every day and you think it's it's okay and it's normal I want to talk about looking back and how your past seems to inform a lot of your current practice. Um, And the child specifically seems to symbolize quite strongly uh, in both of your your one-man shows, Problem Child and Born Mm Free-ish. Why is young you or baby you or smaller version of you in relation to adult so central to the way you position your shows and your comedy. I think if, I, if when I get to the point where I make my childhood self happy, I'll be at a very far point, even before I exceed it. Because I think I had good taste in what life should be. I think I always knew, like, I always noticed um, 
just the simple richness in life. Just like little things to the big things, but even the little things, it was always like a, a big thing for me. So what you're describing is that you look up to the child that you were. Yeah. And switching that, have you met the expectations as an adult of who you wanted to be when you were a child? I think I'm on that path, which is good enough for me, which is the point for me. Um, I just always found people who chose their own, who didn't live a prescribed life fascinating. Like I was drawn to that idea of like, yeah, this thing, you, you choose it. You, you live with the consequences of what you choose, but you, you choose this thing. But what's it like trying to develop a career without any role models that you can relate to, without having any real-life reference points? I didn't need someone to show me the way I wanted to do it. I just needed to see that this thing is possible in whatever sphere because then you're no longer trying to satisfy anything you just you're satisfied with what you're bringing out and then you can measure it on that scale of like what is that me not will they would they like it what do they want it's like ah this is what my taste my skills my my years of work, this is an honest portrayal of that. Does that make sense? Yeah, so it's like there are plenty of funny people. And here's the thing, there are plenty of funny people. You go on a club night and you watch comedy, you laugh at, you know, 40 to 80 to 100% sometimes of the acts that you watch. But you might remember one guy. And that guy might not be the funniest person. They stood out beyond the joke because you felt like you actually met someone that's the holy grail some why people have it so from the get and then some people just take time why is it so hard? I think a big part of it is it's such a public thing it's hard to know that failure is right there right next to success in comedy in such a public space so it's hard to... Most comics won't allow themselves to fail that often. Uh, and, you know, most people are just like, once they figure out what a joke is, I'll just keep making these jokes. Because it's enough to get me booked. It's enough to make me, you know, funny enough to get me paid. And that's, that's, e- that's very easy to fall into. It's harder to, it's harder to go to spaces where there's comedy that meets people halfway, there's comedy that fetches people where they are, and then there's a comedy that you have to come to where I am. That's the hardest one. Where it's like, come to where I am, and it's a great time, but you must come to where I am. And most audiences might not be for that in the beginning, because you're also trying to figure out you're not just trying to figure out comedy you're trying to figure out your version of this untested unwalked on (laughs) comedy which is you know that's the that's playing in that professional mode and have you ever come close to that feeling where you felt the audience yeah yeah yeah. I haven't learned to 
live in it. I've tapped into it in times where I go, this is it. Like I felt it like, oh, these, this is the material, this is my demeanor, this is, but it's like a set at a time. It's not something where I'm like, Psh, this is it every time. This is the spectrum within where I will be, where I am. So it's always, uh, so I think that's a hard thing. No one teaches you that. That's, there's no book on that there's no it's just grinding and trying to be open and trying to be honest with yourself and um, it's it's not easy to do because the low hanging fruit are there and there are enough rewards there there really are enough rewards there it's also not quantifiable you can't quantify no. this thing you're describing no. if you're saying that that is fulfillment and yeah. that is success <laughs> yeah. I don't think you could that's the tough thing See, that's like you're chasing a dragon. Are We Our Work forms part of a long-term research project that documents career experiences and labor market practices in South Africa. If you would like to participate in the research going forward, visit areweourwork.com to find out how you can share your work-related experiences. This episode was created and produced by me, Tiffany Ibrahim. Sound and editing by Dean Salant. Recording support by Yogan Sullivan. The music is by Vuma Levin and can be found on his album called In Motion. The episode cover was designed and illustrated by Lauren Mulligan. To stay up to date on the podcast and future episodes, follow Are We Our Work on Instagram and Twitter. Thanks for listening.